Welcome to Healing the Inner Self. People have been sharing stories for thousands of years. Ever since we could form a coherent word, humans have had a need to express themselves through the spoken word. It is my belief that this was done amongst family and friends around a fire. While keeping warm and filling each other's company and companionship, those around the fire would share their thoughts, feelings, and yearnings. This would build great bonds of love and friendship and would allow everyone to contribute. It's my belief that everyone has something to contribute. You don't have to go to great lengths to find wisdom. For me, I found great wisdom while listening to my elders. My older brothers, my older sister, my parents, heck, even my younger sister. There's always something there to learn and gather. You keep what works for you and then you discard the rest. This time, I learned a ton from my grandma, Fish. She's in her 80s and has so many life stories that are packed full of little nuggets. You really are in for a treat. Be prepared to laugh, cry, and learn a little about the importance of forgiveness. Oh, and my apologies in advance for some technical difficulties. I was going to clean it up, but my grandma was in the zone. Healing the Inner Self is brought to you by Healing the Inner Self, From Darkness into Light, by Melvin C. Fish, Ph.D. All experiences of life have a lasting effect upon us. Positive experiences attract positive energy, or in other words, light. This energy puts one into a mode of living that produces health, happiness, and success. Negative experiences attract negative energy, or in other words, darkness. This energy puts one into a mode of living that produces bad health, depression, self-defeating attitudes, and failure. This book will help one understand this phenomena and teach one how to find the darkness, release it, and replace it with light. Thus, one can make the transition from darkness into light. As one of the grandsons of the late Melvin C. Fish, I can attest to the effectiveness of this teaching that my grandpa um, has within this book, uh, Healing the Inner Self. He's helped me on multiple occasions. Um, he's taught me how to apply this so that I can apply the atonement more effective, more effectively into my life. And um, so as a result, uh, this podcast wouldn't be here. <laughs> it's called Healing the Inner Self. Uh, without my grandpa's work, um, without his teachings, and so if you are interested, um, you can go to his website. It's drmfish.com, and you'll find all the resources you need to, to get started on your path to healing. Um, so yeah, once again, it's drmfish.com. I'm so excited to be here. Um, I've had a very interesting, exciting life. Can you hear me? Chip, just talk louder. Do I need to talk louder? Can you hear with that, Daniel? Okay. Well, I was born and raised in St. Anthony, Idaho. And 
I lived there until I was eight years old. When my brother was seven and I was five, we both got the measles. And my brother was sicker than I was. And so my dad went to the pharmacy and he got a prescription. And as he was walking across the river with the bridge, a voice said, throw that in the river. He didn't listen. He came home, he thought, my son is so sick. He gave it to my brother and he died. And after that, my, my whole life changed. Until that time, my dad would put me on his knee and sing about his prissy, little prissy girl. And he would play with me and he'd play with my younger brother and my brother who passed away. After that, he was scared to love any of us and he couldn't tell us that he loved us. And I'd go up to hug him and it'd be like this. He couldn't put his arms around me or say, I love you. And so this is how I lived for quite a while. And he never did say to me, I love you, as I was living uh, in his home or when I went anywhere. But what it did, uh, it made my father so that he did not trust pharmacists. And so he became a pharmacist. And he says, no one will ever kill another child of mine. And people would come into the pharmacy. And one man came in and said, I need this and this prescription. And my dad says, I won't fill that. One's the upper, one's the downer. It'll give you a heart attack. He went down the street, took those two prescriptions, and the next day he was dead. So that's how I was raised. And we were very poor. And we had a neighbor that was a farmer. And he would bring milk and eggs. And oh my gosh, you can't believe what my mother did to that. She would pour a glass of milk, plop in the raw egg, hand it to me and say, now drink it. I was a very obedient child, but now you can see why I don't like eggs. <laughs> so my father went to pharmacy school in Pocatello, Idaho. And he became a pharmacist. And after he got his degree, he moved to Salt Lake City where he worked at Walgreens. And about that time, a salesman came into his life, became friends with my father. And my father loved selling Encyclopedia Britannicas. And so he would take trips on his days off and he would sell Encyclopedia Britannicas. And one time he went to Montana and when he came back, he brought me a violin. And he said, you will learn this. And I thought, okay. <laughs> so I happened to go to a school where uh, there was a teacher that, there that taught me how to play the violin. So I played that violin through uh, elementary, through high school, all through college, even after I was married. I played the violin and loved it very much. And when, um, when I was 13, we lived by a swimming pool. And I wanted to swim there so bad. 
So I didn't have a swimming suit. And I found some cloth in my mother's house. And I just decided I'm going to make me a swimming suit. So I cut it out and it looked pretty good on. And then I sewed it all together and I was ready for the pool. And I jump in, can you believe? I must have not put enough knot, uh, knots in it because the whole thing fell apart. <laughs> there I was in the swimming pool, totally naked. I hurried, put the pieces up to the front, ran into the restroom and thought, I better try this one again. Then, not to, at Christmas time this one year, my sister was 13, and my dad was trying to get her to bed so Santa Claus would come. And she says, the only way that I would believe in Santa Claus is if he knocked on the door and came in right now. Well, guess what? There was a knock on our door, and in walked Santa Claus. And Santa Claus, um, had, was lost and he just whispered to my dad because he saw children around. He says, I'm lost, can you help me with this address? <laughs> <laughs> well, when we lived in Salt Lake, I went to Granite High School and that is where I learned how to type on a typewriter. And let me tell you, it was so fun we had a, a teacher that had never married, and she had her hair in a bun, so we called her Miss Buns. And she had the, everybody had a typewriter. And do you, I don't know if you remember the song Slowpoke. We would type to Slowpoke, and it was, we were there with, I wait and worry, but you never seem to hurry. You're a Slowpoke. And that's how I learned to type. <laughs> Well, um, after um, I'd been to Granite High for two years, they built a, a high school, Olympus High School, not just a mile and a half from our place. So I did not have to uh, take a bus. I could walk there. And so I discovered that the bus came at Olympus High School and would take me to Primary Children's Hospital because I decided I wanted to be a nurse. And so I would take the bus after school and I would go uh, to Primary Children's Hospital and did I have fun with those children. I've always loved children and everybody. And so those children, I knew how to play with them, I knew how to make them be happy and then they would cry and cry when I left. So I decided, no, I don't want to be a nurse. Maybe I'll be a teacher, because these children are too sick and too sad when I go. So that was my goal. Well, when I would work at Primary Children's Hospital till about five or six at night, then I would get home and do my homework. Well, one night I stayed up really late and I went to school and can you believe my locker 
was right between the football players. So I took off my coat this one day. Can you believe they all started to laugh? And I looked down and I'd forgotten to put on my skirt. <laughs> so I put my coat back on. I went to my first grade homeroom teacher and I says, I need to go home. She says, why? I just opened up my coat and she burst out laughing. Said, see you later. <laughs> and I went, walked home the mile and a half and walked back. And um, while I was at Olympus High School, I um, had a, a teacher that had really interesting seats. And in those days, you wore dresses. So I got up from this chair in that class, and I heard a rip. I looked, I turned around, and my whole back of my dress was ripped out. So after class, I went up to the teacher, and I says, look what just happened. Oh, don't worry, honey. Just wear my coat and go down to the home ec room and sew it up. So, as I was walking down with Miss Tucker's coat on, oh my goodness, uh, the te teacher down the hall says, what are you doing with Miss Tucker's coat? She thought I was stealing it. And I, turned, I showed her my dress. She says, oh, and she started to laugh. So I went to the home ec room and I was there in my petticoat sewing up my dress when what should happen? The principal has the superintendent of schools looking at the brand new home ec room. And there I am in my petticoat, sewing up the dress. My father was from the South. And uh, so every year we would take the train and our family would go visit his brothers and I'd visit my cousins. Let me tell you how I really, really loved the southern accent. So I thought, hmm, I know what I'm going to do. When I go to, I'm going to go to BYU and I'm going to do the southern accent. Well, so that's what I did. I went to BYU with this southern accent and you can't believe the fun I had. With that southern, and I, I used it all through raising the children. I can still put it on. I love the southern accent. I still quite often say y'all. And, and so, um, but my first quarter there at BYU, I dated 18 different young men. And I didn't make out with them or kiss them or anything. We just went to parties, dances, and had fun. Well, it was at BYU that I met my soulmate. Um, the teacher, I was taking a religion class, and the teacher just called on me and said, Miss Ritchie, will you lead us in a song? And I didn't know how to lead very well. So I get up there, and they all had books, and I just said, would you all, would you all turn to page 218? We're gonna see Now Let Us Rejoice. And I hold up my hand, and I go down. Oh my gosh, 
It was so horrible. They sounded horrible. And I said, wait, wait, y'all gotta start over. You sound terrible. <laughs> so I started again. And uh, they sang pretty good, but my husband walked in when I was leading the singing, and he said the spirit told him, there's the girl I'm gonna marry. And maybe it was just my accent, I don't know. But the next day, he made sure that he sat by me. And so um, the teacher handed out a roll, and the roll said, um, just put the, uh, he, did, he says, just put your address. And I says, well, he didn't ask for our um, uh, phone number, did I? Because Melvin says, you didn't, you got to put your phone number down there. And I said, I said, did he ask for that? Does he need it? And he says, no, but I do. <laughs> well, our first date was when he got his mission call, which was for three years to Taiwan. And 45 days later, he left and we were engaged. And I waited the three years. I graduated from BYU to Seattle to be with my family. And there I taught fourth grade and that was so fun. And um, I, the children were really fun, and I loved teaching. And one day I came to school, and the kids were just really hyper. And I thought, something's going on, but what is it? Well, I opened up my desk drawer, and there was the hugest snake I've ever seen. <laughs> and so I knew if I screamed, I hated snakes. I didn't like them. I was scared to death of them, but I just smiled and I said, oh, who brought this cute little snake? And one timid little kid raised his hand and I says, oh, why don't you take him down to the custodian's office so he'll be safe there? And then you can take it home and have a pet and I know your mom will be so happy to see it. <laughs> Well, a month before school was out, my sister was showing off with her boyfriend. And, uh, and she was driving, and uh, she went around a corner about 50 miles an hour without slowing down. My brother and I were thrown from the back seat, and my neck and back was broken, and my whole face was bloody. I'm really grateful I'm not scarred with how bad my face looked. But I, I don't know how I did it, but I managed it when I, we got home to go up the, to my parents' bedroom. They were in bed. And I said, Mom, Dad, I've been in an accident. My dad took one look at me and passed out. That's how bad I looked. So um, I was very grateful that I was able to walk after that. I was in the hospital for two weeks in a cast from my neck down past my hips in traction. And uh, it was so um, painful, but I was able to 
As soon as I could, I got rid of that cast. It was terrible. With that cast, I could only go this way or that way. I couldn't turn my neck or I had to turn my whole body. Well, my husband uh, to be flew in from uh, Taiwan after his three years and we drove to southern Utah and nine days later we were married. Now my kids did that today after only knowing him <laughs> 45 days. I don't know what I'd have done. Well, my husband, he graduated from BYU and then he got a teaching degree and uh, and then he taught school in Seattle. And he went, um, uh, after uh, he went to Louisiana and got a master's there, that the government was paying for anyone that wanted to get any degree in math. So we went to school for free. And that was really fun. And then he decided, well, I think I'd like to teach seminary. So for three years, uh, we taught, he taught seminary, and then we had a sick daughter, so we moved back to West Valley, where we stayed for 20 uh, years. And my husband um, got a teaching job at East High. And we had a, we got property that was two-thirds of an acre. And we just played with that garden, and this is where I had the rest of the 10 children. Of our 10 children, we adopted two, and then I gave birth to eight. And when I had my seventh pregnancy, the doctor really gave my husband and me a lecture. With your wife's scoliosis and having had a bad back, you should see the x-rays why her back looks terrible. And if you have any more, she will die. But I knew there was one more. So I went home and my husband went to bed I got on my knees and I said, Heavenly Father, if there's another one, you have got to show me. And a vision opened up. And there I saw this blonde-headed little boy sitting on a stool with Melvin's father telling him of his great mission on this earth. So I knew there was one more. I got pregnant. I was really sick, but I didn't die. And... Um, but Mel loved teaching and the kids loved him. And let me tell you why he was such a good teacher. He would go to school and in his mind, he would tell each child, see spirits here, spirit the spirit. And in his mind, he would tell the kids, I love you, you're going to love math and you're going to do well in my math class and you're gonna pass every test. And he'd end with, I love you. He did that with every class. And the principal couldn't believe his classes because the kids all passed. And he had a good gift of telling stories to the kids and not losing control. And uh, we had, uh, we raised goats because our children were allergic to goat milk. I mean, they were allergic to cow's milk. And so we raised goats because they could handle the goat meal. And one day he came in and he said, Gwenna, I'm going out to get, to, to get the goats bread. We had a station wagon. He says, you want to come with? And I looked out at the car. There were six children in there and three goats. 
And I thought, you know, that looks like the Beverly Hillbillies. I think I'll pass. <laughs> and so then we, uh, when they came back, our little three-year-old came running in and he said, Mom, Dad forgot to get the bread. <laughs> he thought that they were good. Melvin was going to get bread when he said, I'm going to get the goat's bread. <laughs> Well, um, and one of the fun stories that he told was I was expecting our eighth child, and the kids knew it because he'd say, I have to leave early, my wife's got a doctor's appointment. And so he thought, well, we had a, a goat that had triplets. So he thought, he went to school, and he said, we had excitement at our house last night. My old goat had triplets. Well, one of the kids said up very indignant and said, Mr. Fish, I don't think your wife would appreciate you referring to her as an old goat. <laughs> <laughs> and then next week, the next week, somebody uh, came to my husband and said, Mr. Fish, how many kids do you really have? And he says, not as many as yesterday. I just sold three. <laughs> Mel was a scoutmaster for seven years. He loved those boys. And he had 25 boys that all got their eagle because he was so good with them. And at the same time, I just loved working with young boys. And so I was a dead mother for 12 years. And one thing I started learning was how important it is when you wake up every morning to ask the Lord who he wants you to help. You can't believe the names that have come to me. I've done this for over 40 years, and it's just been a miracle. And one day, I was busy getting ready for my little uh, uh, scouts, and a, a voice said, go see Doris. And I thought, I haven't seen her for a long time. Why do I go there? And it was, go see Doris now. So I got in my car and went to see Doris. She was several blocks away. I go and knock on the door. No answer. So I'm getting in the car, and the door opens, and she peeks out. And she says, Sister Fish, what are you doing here? And I just came out of my mouth. I just said, darn if I know, the Lord sent me. <laughs> and she uh, had me come in, and I just told her, because I knew her very well, and I just says, I just love your smile, and you're such a great person. I want you to know I love you. And then I went home. Well, a week later, she came staggering in my house with a box of Tupperware, which I did not need. and. She says, I have to bring you something. You know, when you came to see me, I had my bags all packed, and I was getting ready to run off with another man because I didn't think my husband and children loved me. But when you said the Lord sent you, and when you told me you loved me, I knew I could stay and work it out, and she did. So that was very exciting. Um, with our children, we did a lot of fun activities. We did a lot of hiking. 
we were always looking for crystals, geodes. We did a lot of camping. And I would like to have Leonard come up. He's one of my five sons. And tell what you remember. I'll just take a couple of minutes here. Um, it's fun to, to hear these stories. I've heard these stories a lot, but it's, I, I'm, I'm um, mom's biggest fan. I, I love to hear the stories. Um, one thing that I just love about um, my mom is, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna let her take most of the time. I'm just gonna just share a couple little stories. But one of the favorite things with mom is when, when we were waking up in the morning, oh my goodness, she was singing and, and morning was just her favorite time of the day. And uh, so uh, we, we would be woken up with her singing songs and, and you're gonna have a wonderful day and, and this kind of a, a thing. And, and uh, she would send us off to school um, saying today is gonna be a great day, you're gonna do awesome. And that really made a difference in in my life to have a positive cheerleader to cheer me on as she sent me out to, to school. And uh, um, my mom has asked me if I would, if I would sing. I, I, I've loved to, to sing. Um, I, um, we had, when we were little, I don't know if she told you, she didn't mention this to any of you probably, but we, she, her dream was to, for her family to be like the, the Donnie and Marie, uh, you know, the Osmonds or, or the, the Von Trapp family fish or something, I don't know. But, <laughs> but uh, um, that was really uh, fun for her. So we would do these little hillbilly um, programs with our, with our, our kids and uh, or, or with, the, with, with, the, with the family. And so it was really um, a good memory of, of that. But I'm just gonna uh, acapella off the cuff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sing, uh, Oh, What a Beautiful Morning. Oh, I even have my little, my little cheat sheet here so I make sure that I get the words right. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's eye, and it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a wonderful feeling. Everything's going my way. All the cattle are standing like statues. All the cattle are standing like statues. They don't turn their heads as they see me ride by, but a little brown maverick is winking his eye. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a wonderful feeling. Everything's going my way. And my mom has rubbed off on me. I. I am your eternal optimist, and it's because of my mom. And I, everybody asks me how I'm doing, and I, I say I'm doing awesome. So uh, you don't get you don't get negativity. And I, I don't, my mom won't won't say this. I don't know if she'll say this either. But growing up, she answered the phone. It's a great day at the fishes, and she'd have people that would call up and 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 go. I wanted to know if that was true. Click and or, you know. <laughs> yeah, and and the other thing that she would say is she would answer the phone. This is Melvin's happy wife, 
and so she'll, so she did that too. But she's it's just been really fun to be around a positive mom, and I just I just love you a lot, mom. So I'll turn the time back over to you. <laughs> Thank you. You're awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Well. Thank you, Leonard. But our children are all talented. They play instruments, pianos, and we had a hillbilly band, and we traveled all over doing that. And I played the washboards, my husband played the bottles, the, our daughter played the piano, and our kids sang. And we um, just had a lot of fun uh, performing this hillbilly band. And. Um, Another funny story is with a, a large family, with a large family, um, we ate a lot of beans. And it was usually Sunday dinner. And one day, I, I always went down to um, tell the children good night. We had two bunk beds in one bedroom. And so I heard the boys talking. We had four of the boys in there. And one boy says, oh no, we had beans for dinner. And another boy said, yeah. And uh, that means high rise odor. <laughs> and another son said, yeah, and I'm on the top bunk. And you know, with 10 children, we always had so many interesting things happen. Uh, one day, I heard a scream. I look out, and my daughter, who was like 12, had fallen out of a tree. She was trying to change the height of the swing. And I go out. I didn't know she'd been in the makeup. And around her eyes were all purple makeup. But I thought she was dying. <laughs> and our son went and got a stick and he just went around and he just went around the body and with the stick we had to hurry her to emergency and she'd broken her hip and then this son Leonard and his brother were praying playing in the backyard and I heard someone holl Leonard hollered out I win I look out the door and oh my goodness, they had been shooting ball arrows up in the air to see how close it would come before it would hit them. And this arrow had gone through the pant leg and it didn't hit him, it went through his pants. Was I ever grateful? <laughs> and so that's why I would pray every day and say, thank you, Lord, the children are still alive. Um, My husband wrote uh, seven books. We did a lot of, of seminars. We traveled all over the US and into Europe. And that was so rewarding, helping people. And um, one of the books that he wrote, uh, we went to visit a real spiritual friend who had fallen in the snow outside. He was in his uh, seven, late 70s. And he said that he died. And he would have frozen to death if he hadn't had a neighbor come over and see him there and get him to the hospital. But he said the Lord came to him and told him, 
it's not your time to die. You've got to write a book about how important it is to tell everybody that we, have, we came to earth to learn how to love and not judge. So my husband came home and he got on his knees and said, Lord, what do you want me to write? And his little book, The Power of Unconditional Love, was um, what came to his mind. It was right there. He got right up and wrote it down. And that book has, I've had um, mission presidents order 150 of them for their missionaries because it's a powerful little book on love. But that's what we did is we taught people how to love each other and how to not judge anybody and how to give our burdens to Christ. And um, one of the things that um, I have posted is, um, this is on my kitchen door. Life is the classroom, love is the lesson. And if we can just love everybody and not judge. And then this, this here is, um, I'll give you y'all a copy if you'd like one. The service we render to others is really the rent we pay for our room on this earth. Now I have this posted on the cupboard door. I have this posted on my front door. If you go home and just put them in a book, you'll never look at them. But I want to be reminded every single day how important it is to love everybody and not judge and how I can help. And um, uh, I have another story about listening to the Spirit that is very powerful. I, um, one day, my husband and I, we walked a lot together, we rode bikes, and I, we'd gotten home from riding my bike, he was mowing the lawn, and a voice said, go ride your bike now. So, I got on my bike, and I went in the neighborhood, I didn't know where I was going, and I was just stopped in front of this house, and a dog came out and tore my pants and tore my leg. It really scared me. They got the dog in, and I go home, and I said, Lord, I got on my knees, and I said, why did you want me to go there? What am I supposed to do? And um, this came to my mind, make them brownies. And I thought, you got to be kidding. But I made brownies, took them to them, and I discovered the mother was on the couch dying of cancer. And the neighbors, they were new, the neighbors hadn't been there to see them. So I got the neighbors involved, we got involved. I even sent the missionaries to them. Can you believe that whole family was baptized before the mother died? So maybe we have to have, so when something negative happens in your life, then ask the Lord, okay, what am I supposed to do now? And um, I just got this book here. This is the voice of the saints in Taiwan. And we had some people that we'd worked with in Arizona and they came just last week. And they said, we brought you this book and then they started to cry. And they said, we can't thank you enough how you've helped our family.
And they said this book, in the first part of it, the first third of it, is about your husband and how he got the gospel started in Taiwan. He was the first Relief Society president. <laughs> and the president said, you will have that calling until you get someone else. So he got someone else pretty quick. He got them baptized. And I love to uh, tell jokes. I have to laugh every day. And I'll just read a couple. Some of you may have seen this, but I thought it was funny because these are what are in uh, bulletins in churches. Like, we are going to have a fasting and prayer conference, which includes meals. <laughs> the sermon this morning is Jesus Walks on the Water. The sermon tonight, Searching for Jesus. <laughs> Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Bring your husbands. <laughs> so I'm going to close to tell you how grateful I am to be here and for all of you here. And if I can help anybody, I'll be glad to help you and help you with anything I know or can help you. And I am so grateful for all the work that you people do here. And I just feel so blessed to be here. And I don't know uh, how I was so blessed to get it on the, for the first floor because I don't have to worry about the elevator. <laughs> so I'm closing now and have a good night. And then we can pass out these papers here. Whoever wants to. Does anybody have questions? Pass out. I mean, to hand out. Her son has another funny story. We need to laugh with her. You have to hear the story, it's hilarious. Um, we always love to support, um, our family is just a very supportive family. And it was the very, uh, and my sister was, um, uh, there was a missionary that she was dating and he didn't have any family that was coming to hear him do his missionary report home from his mission. And it was the, the, the week that um, the grand announcement that the blacks could receive the priesthood that it, it was that week that that we were going to to the sacrament meeting and we we it's there's like 15 of us on the second row of of the church and we get a whisper finding out that we had gone to the wrong board and the, the bishop gets up and he reads this letter about the blacks now receiving the priesthood, and all 15 of us get up and leave. <laughs> and then I've got to tell you one more thing that is funny. On our toilet and everywhere we live, just on the back of the wall behind this toilet, we, I would have a sign that read, wipe out negatives. <laughs> so when they used the bathroom, they knew they had to wipe out negatives. <laughs>
We were married for 60 years. We were best friends, and he died just uh, six months ago. And it's been really difficult, but I have to read a joke every day to help me. Because he was, we never fought. The kids will verify that. We just loved each other. When they wrecked, when the kids would wreck the car or do something stupid, we wouldn't, put them, we wouldn't put them down and say, oh, how could you do this, on and on. We just loved them so much that we'd say, okay, are you okay? So what did you learn from this? And how are you going to pay for it? <laughs> and we lived right across the street from a tomato farm. And our kids worked there, and they bought all their school clothes, and they paid for their car accidents. <laughs> Yes. From whom did you inherit a funny bone? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but oh, I forgot to tell one story that is so powerful. I've always had a fun sense of humor. I've just loved people always. I think I was born with it. But I forgot to tell you this. This is so powerful. A year ago, I was in Cedar City and um, I, I heard the car honk in the garage. I opened the car door, and the lights are going off and on, and the car is just honking away. I ran and got Melvin, and I said, come see what's wrong with the car. By the time he got there, everything had stopped. And so I stood there at the door, and I said, okay, who is trying to get my attention? And here comes my father, and he says, I came to tell you how sorry I am that I could not love like you needed the love. And I want you to know how much I love you, and I am so sorry. I says, don't worry, Dad. I've always loved you. I love you. And then he was gone. So that was very helpful for me. I should do it again. <laughs> where, where were you in the South? Um, it was in Louisiana. Oh, yeah. Well, we have someone who has family here from Louisiana. We won't mention any names. Will we, Charlie? No. No, we won't mention Charlie's name. I even knew, I even knew the area where his family came from, Louisiana, because when I was in Texas, we had western Louisiana and western Arkansas little smidgen of Oklahoma, and then a smaller smidgen of New Mexico up by the Panhandle. So I got to cover the whole state and then some. No, I didn't cover El Paso. That was the West Spanish American Mission, which was headquartered in Los Angeles. Those missionaries had to go a long way 
Hey, thanks everyone for listening to Healing the Inner Self. Uh, it means the world to me. Um, and uh, if if any of this had any impact on you, um, why don't you just go ahead and share this this episode with um, with your friends and family. And also, um, once again, if you would like to check out my grandpa's website, it's Dr mfish.com. So go ahead and check that out. You'll find um, his books, his work. And thanks again. Thanks for listening to this podcast. And I hope to to hear from you. Uh, send a message and uh, have a good blessed day. Disclaimer. This podcast and website represents the opinions of myself, Daniel Fish, and my guests. The content should not be taken as medical advice. The content is for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical advice.